3: long-awaited Durham report. The special prosecutor, John Durham, that report released this week revealing new insights into the FBI's probe of alleged election collusion between former President Trump and Russia during the 2016 campaign. The report concludes that the FBI and the Department of Justice, quote, failed to uphold their mission of strict fidelity to the law when they opened the investigation into former President Trump.
0: Remember, this was three years. All we ever heard about was Russia and Mueller and this investigation and collusion and coordination. None of it was true, all based on a lie. And most importantly, the FBI knew it was a lie. They had no evidence. The report's very clear in the executive summary. No evidence whatsoever to commence this operation, to commence crossfire
3: hurricane. The Biden administration is taking a victory lap as they are touting that border crossings are down 50% since the end of Title 42, those pandemic-era rules. But lawmakers on the right are wary of what the coming months will bring. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News contributor and nationally syndicated talk show host Leslie Marshall, member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board, former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush, Bill McGurn, and Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Chad, I want to start with you um, about the debt ceiling negotiations. Uh, These are continuing. It seems like the president's trip overseas is going to get adjusted somewhat depending on how this all goes. But it doesn't seem like there's much movement, does there?
0: Well, I just talked to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy about this. First of all, if he thought that the deadline was really in early June, there have been some Republicans saying, oh, no, no, it's going to be later than that. And he said we should you know, basically base everything off of what Janet Yellen says. I trust her is what he said. Uh, so that is the deadline. Now, keep in mind what Kevin McCarthy has to finesse here. He probably has to eat something if there is a deal, if there is a deal that is less than palatable to most House Republicans and certainly a lot less than the bill that they passed in April. So in order for him to kind of let this go as far as he can up to the deadline, but also give the public, uh, you know, the, the public presentation that, you know, it's kind of a crisis. They're not negotiating. We're far apart. And then string that out as long as he can. That is important for Kevin McCarthy, because at some point. He probably has to jam some of his members here who might not be very happy about that if it's something they're going to get through both the House and Senate. But, but you know, we often talk about the math. Today I'm going to talk about the time. Kevin McCarthy said that it would take three to four days to get something through the House of Representatives. You know, he's probably going to be held to this whole idea of this, quote, 72-hour rule, which actually, if you do it by the book here in the House these days, it is 72 hours, and then probably a week through the Senate. See, you're basically at June 1st almost now, even if you don't have a deal now. But get pen to paper, and he says that framework has to be in place by this weekend. So, you know, the time has slipped off the clock. I've asked a couple of members if they're starting to get nervous and they said yes.
3: Yeah. And Leslie, you know, the Republicans did pass something. uh, So they have a bill. It's not what the something the Democrats like as far as the spending cuts, but they did pass something. So is the leverage there?
1: You know, I'm not really sure. I think the president and Speaker McCarthy are kind of in the same position with their parties. I would agree with what uh, Chad said, you know, regarding the position the speaker is in, but the president is in a very similar position. I mean, right now, people are on my side of the aisle are already looking at and calling this sometimes, even some of the headlines in the more uh, liberal leading writings are, you know, that he's already caved and that any kind of negotiation, and if he moves toward accepting, you know, some most half of what the GOP is presenting, it's rewarding the GOP in a sense for holding hostage. I will say, interestingly enough, at a cocktail party the other night with Democrats and Republicans who were just voters, when I asked them about the debt ceiling, the general consensus was, yawn, we do this every year. It's doom and gloom until it isn't.
3: Yeah, and that's true. We do do it every year, it seems. Uh, it seems like this one, Bill, is getting a little closer to the cliff than we're Used to,
2: yeah, I would agree with Leslie that we we do do it every year, and a lot of familiar noise and um, a lot of familiar scare tactics. The difference now is that you know Republicans control control one half of one branch of government. Now they can't get their way from that, but I think the president has put himself in a bad position when his position is no negotiation at all. At a time, federal spending is way up. There are going to be deficits, as far as the eye can see. I think he put himself in a bad position. McCarthy's challenge is to persuade his caucus that maybe one-tenth of a loaf is better than no loaf. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of leverage. He has some. I think any gains the Republicans make is going to be a victory politically. holding their caucus together. They have some members that rightly say, look, even these measures in our bill are not that strong. So if we get them, it doesn't mean much substantially. But I think if Republicans want to have the record Nancy Pelosi has, the primary factor in that is keeping her caucus together. She was masterful in using her majority as small as it was uh, to hold them together and get things passed. And that goes... As far back as Obamacare.
3: All right. So, meantime, the Durham report is out. Uh, four years, two days in the making. Um, we should say, also, there's all kinds of people on TV and elsewhere saying, you know, what a waste of money. There's no there there. It's a nothing burger. Uh, first of all, Durham cost uh, about $6 million. Mueller cost uh, $35 million over two years. Um, just a comparison, contrast. Uh, Secondly, the key takeaways of this uh, are are these. Uh, It says no actual evidence was found to support launching this investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. Uh, The Hillary Clinton campaign directly or indirectly funded and drove much of the FBI's investigation. Uh, The FBI applied unequal treatment in how they approached Clinton and Trump in matters that implicated them. Uh, crossfire Hurricane investigators did not and could not corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in the Clinton-funded Steele dossier. The person responsible for much of the non-Clinton intel to the FBI was a Russian who had been the subject of a counterespionage investigation by the FBI, an investigation the FBI never resolved nor disclosed to the FISA court. Uh, There's other interesting facts in there. There obviously is not an indictment, Chad. Uh, So you have two sides looking at the same report completely differently, as we've seen time and again.
0: I'm shocked at that, uh, the idea that (laughs) both sides would see this through a different lens. But, you know, Republicans have talked about the Durham report since 2019. Uh, They've kind of viewed this as the ultimate uh, smoking gun, you know, for a long time. And just the fact that there's that line in there that says that uh, the FBI was not behaving, they can run with that down the field. You know, there were some members up here who supported former President Trump and says, you know, this basically makes good on all these grievances that he's had, even though this was more about the 20. The 2016 election versus the 2020 election, uh, you've seen Republicans try to, you know, even bring former President Obama into this, and also talk about issues that they have with the FBI. Uh, there was one question to Steve Scalise and other Republicans at a press conference earlier today, you know, where they've been putting these pro-police measures on the House floor. It's been you know, police week up here. And uh, a reporter asked, said, how can you say you're pro-police and and try to hit the Democrats for being, you know, against the police and defunding the police and so on, when you have a number of members saying, aha, we got you here with the FBI. That is something that's going to play out in the spending bills and the appropriations bills uh, later this year. You know, we might be talking about a debt ceiling now, but that could be one of these flashpoints potentially toward a government shutdown because people are going to say, unless those reforms... Are in a bill, or unless they've they've done something with the purse strings to the FBI, they're not going to pass that bill or a series of bills, you know, for the uh, uh, for the Justice Department, et cetera, because of these grievances they have with the FBI, which are played out in the Durham Report.
3: Yeah, and the politics, Leslie. Democrats will take that defunding the FBI and run an ad saying, "We're tough on crime," and they defund the FBI. Um, but in this report, there there are some troubling signs about uh, the lack of follow-through, the kind of bias towards the anti-Trump stuff. And, uh, you know, to to Garland's credit, the attorney general, he did push this across the finish line. It finally finished. Uh, But there isn't, there aren't scalps here. And obviously there are Republicans that are, you know, wondering about that, upset about that. Senator Lindsey Graham put out a statement saying... um, that those who were unfairly maligned should, quote, sue the hell out of the FBI and DOJ. And perhaps that's an option for aggrieved parties. But as far as putting somebody in jail, uh, he failed to do that.
1: Uh, very interesting. I have so much to say on this. First of all, to your point about defund the police, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, is, is chanting shut down the FBI. Good luck when a kid is kidnapped. Who are you going to call? Uh, you have a prosecutor here um, that is prosecuting no one arresting no one, uh, indicting no one. Look, what I find on my side of the aisle, they're saying there's major flaws uh, this is rightly critical of the FBI, but there are a few significant revelations because this has kind of put forth uh, the same conclusion as the DOJ inspector general's inquiry. And and then with regard to uh, Trump saying he's totally vindicated, he keeps insisting there was no Russian uh, interference in 2016. There was, as a matter of fact, on August 18th of 2020, the GOP-led sen- uh, Senate found that Russia interfered in the 2016 US election and then at the bottom of page 295 of this report Durham himself says and I quote it would have been a sensible step for the FBI to open crossfire hurricane as a uh, uh as a uh, probing investigation I'm trying to read my own writing here um so you know he understands the reason for the probe obviously major flaws uh when you know it went forward in the investigation of this uh, certainly, people that you know were not questioned, but you know, look, I, I, Democrats were waiting for something there. There after Mueller, uh, we, you know, there are many on my side disappointed. Republicans are feeling the exact same thing right now.
3: Yeah, I, there is other stuff in here, Bill. Though you know that Crossfire Hurricane investigators essentially ignored um, different pieces of information that exonerated Trump on the collusion front, uh, and. You know, you've seen a lot of writings on this. Uh, Where do you come down?
2: Well, um, my dad was an FBI agent, so it's kind of family business for me. Um, (laughs) I I look at it closely, and I want to push back on Leslie. The investigation was not about um, Russian interference. It was about Donald Trump colluding with the Russians, and that was pursued for years in one of the biggest gaslightings of the american people everywhere we have great distrust for, for not only the bureau but a lot of the federal agencies because of things like this and the report goes on to talk about the bias the disregarded procedures you know the clinton campaign was briefed on one thing look a lot of stuff came from the clinton campaign and it's amazing that there's no interest in it and that people don't realize the roots of the distrust uh, the American people now have uh, owes itself to this, which consumed American politics uh, for years. I mean, I I think, you know, relying on a special prosecutor to uh, sort these things out is a very bad system. Uh, I'm opposed to special prosecutors because the answer is politics. And to wait, you know, six years after the fact to get uh, seven years to get some report on it. I, I just think that um, that doesn't do much good.
3: Panel, we'll hold it right there.
1: Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy,
2: and me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffys, at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.
3: Where does this go, Chad? Obviously, the weaponization of government is probably going to hold hearing.
0: Yeah, they've also talked about trying to get John Durham in here, you know, on the 25th. uh, You have this weaponization committee. They will certainly try to make hay with that. But again, it it comes back to what was said a moment ago about, you know, Republicans need to produce a scalp. Uh, You know, they have control of the House. Uh, It was a little bit of a struggle uh, to get their border bill through. It was a little bit more of a struggle to get their debt ceiling bill through, but they got them through. They're probably going to have to take it on the chin somehow and figure out what they think is a win, uh, you know, in this round of debt ceiling uh, fights and also uh, in the fall. That's why they have put so much stake in these investigations of the Biden administration. You know, there was this big uh, press conference that James Comer held last week where he said this was judgment day. And some people indicated, well, maybe he didn't exactly bring the goods there. The real trouble for the Republicans is not so much you know, with the Democrats on this, but it's with their own base, many of whom cannot stand Joe Biden, cannot stand uh, the Democrats. Uh, they're aligned with former President Trump, and unless they bring somebody's head on a spear – Uh, That's a problem. And so, you know, did Republicans overpromise with all these investigations? You know, we're in the great age of letter writing. You know, Jim Jordan and and James Comer, the chair of the Judiciary and the Oversight Committee, they write a lot of letters and investigations and everything else. And at some point, you know, Emily Post might appreciate their letter writing, but at some point (laughs) the Republican base is going to come back and say, what goods do you have on these people? And, you know, they've got about a year and a half to, to present that before 2024. But that is a key part of their agenda. Because legislatively, it is very hard to move things through a house with a four-seat margin.
3: Yeah, and you know, hurting the cats in this environment is tough. He's managed to do it twice now, as you point out, yes. on the debt ceiling and the border, and that has given them a little leverage in this uh, in this negotiation. Uh, last thing here, and that is uh, the president is leaving uh, for this G seven trip. Uh, leslie it seems like he's going to press forward even though the the clock is ticking on this negotiation
1: yeah i think he's being a bit of a maverick with that (laughs) um i do but you know this is how joe biden rolls you know i mean seriously he's like you know the polls and um he you know he's been in politics a long time and he has sat in meetings like this uh not just as president and as vice president uh but as a member of the body Um, That, you know, he is uh, discussing with and uh, negotiating with as well. So, uh, yeah, I I feel he knows what he's doing. And I feel that he knows history and historically, uh, we're not going to default and uh, not going to Vegas with this anything anytime soon. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm not as uh, concerned about the president, uh, you know, continuing on with the plans for G7 as as some are, certainly some on the right, you know, want it to be as much a concern uh, to we Americans.
3: Last thing, Bill, um, the border, obviously, the numbers, uh, the surge, not as significant as once predicted for the end of Title 42, yet still steady flow. And um, there are still worries about what's happening on these mass releases in these cities like El Paso and others along the border.
2: Right. I mean, Title 42 is one problem. The big problem you have is we all see the the numbers coming over. We see them arriving in our cities and so forth, and and, um, and then being trucked somewhere else. We see all the problems it causes. And then we hear um, from the Biden administration that the border is closed. Um, it defies uh, common sense. And yet the biggest advantage that President Biden has is the press just won't report on it. Maybe Fox does in the journal or something, but um, the press won't report it, won't press him on it. Um, Any other time, I think this would be a big story. And it's just ho-hum. Title 42 is um, a temporary fix. You know, it's not the solution. The solution is legislation. But where is the uh, primetime address Uh, Joe Biden has given on immigration. He just likes the issue to demagogue Republicans. He doesn't really offer answers that have a chance of going through. You know, we came close when I was in the Bush administration until people like uh, Barack Obama helped blow it up. I think they could do it again if there were some people, you know, they'd have to get a lot of compromise, but, you know, wishing Title 42 stayed, or just pretending that we can ignore these things. I mean, what happened to misroot causes, Kamala Harris? Uh, nothing, everything's been pretense at the border and people are seeing it.
3: Yeah, Chad, the prospects of legislation are, are dim, aren't they?
0: Yeah. I mean, you've had some, uh, you know, senators, bipartisan senators, Kirsten Sinema, the independent from Arizona, who caucuses with the Democrats and Tom Tillis say, OK, why don't we re-implement uh, Title 42 here, but work out something on the immigration side? Uh, there are some people who think that maybe even whether it be now, we'll see what they come up with these debt ceiling negotiations. Uh, you know, there could be some provisions on that. We've not seen that publicly yet, uh, you know, getting a little light in the game for, for that to be thrown in in on this. But that could be an ask at some point. That was something I was told last week. But again, you have to get 60 votes. And and both sides, you know, it's almost like immigration is the new abortion issue where both sides didn't like what the actual policy was, but politically it worked for them. And so politically right now, you know, Democrats and Republicans are, are, are fighting over the border. You know, Democrats want certain things on immigration. Republicans want certain things on border security. Ne'er the twain shall meet. But politically, it seems to be working politically for both of them. Although, of course, President Biden is in the White House. Uh, you know, Republicans are portraying this as the second coming of Afghanistan. And again, if this border issue, you know, and there's there's violent crimes and things things that are committed against people by, you know, people who have entered the United States illegally, Republicans are going to point to those episodes and what's going on in these big cities over and over again and saying, this is a problem with the border. You know, when I've talked to some Republicans, they've said, you know, we're not willing to do anything on immigration until the border is secure. Yet at the same time, I've talked to some of those Republicans say, oh, the border was secure under the Trump administration, yet they didn't do anything on immigration. Mm -hmm. So again, that's the problem that, you know, nobody wants to move on immigration immigration reform, quote-unquote, whatever that is, because guess what? The border will probably never, ever be completely secure. That's the inherent mm-hmm. issue.
3: Yeah, it could be more or less, uh, but they may try something around the edges. We'll see. Uh, panel, thank you so much. Now for a bit of history. On May 16th, 1868, the United States Senate voted 35 to 19 in favor of impeaching then-President Andrew Johnson on charges of high crimes and misdemeanors. Though the vote fell one senator shy of the two-thirds majority needed to impeach President Johnson, the trial of President Johnson would shift the balance of governing power from the executive branch to the legislative branch. The impeachment attempt was the first ever against a president and would not be seen again until the impeachment attempt of President Bill Clinton 130 years later in 1998. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Leslie, Bill, and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.